Hi, I'm Chashank Bhargav and you're listening to Three Things, the Indian Express news show. One thing that has been emphasized throughout the course of this pandemic is the need to maintain physical distancing. This COVID-19 protocol has been crucial to keep oneself safe. We now know that crowded and poorly ventilated spaces are to be avoided as much as possible. Along with wearing a mask and taking the vaccines, it is one of the few things we can do to avoid getting infected but access to places where physical distancing is possible is not a privilege that everyone can avail and one such group of people are those inside india's prisons the thing is that india's prisons have been overcrowded for a long time but now during the pandemic this has resulted in a crisis of its own which includes many prisoners unable to access even the most basic healthcare facilities and on top of this some prisons in the country have become more overcrowded during this time to understand this problem better in today's episode we speak to nikita sonavne nikita is a lawyer and the co-founder of the criminal justice and police accountability project a bhopal based research and litigation group and she starts by explaining that this problem of overcrowding in prisons actually has a lot to do with the problem of over arresting by the police so for instance the way that policing happens in this country we see that a lot of people are arrested and incarcerated which means jailed at a really rapid rate so if i were to give you an example in the us for instance when someone is arrested for an offense they end up spending a long time in prison right even if it is a minor offense but in india the question is slightly different even if say i am arrested for theft i might not spend say several years being in prison unless of course i'm found guilty of the crime as an under trial and by an under trial i mean someone against whom the case is still pending in court i will not spend many years for petty offenses being in prison right but what happens is even if i am released on bail in say 5 6 months there is that much inflow of more prisoners into the indian prison setup so even if people are being granted and released on bail which i mean these are systems of course bail etc are systems that are inaccessible and have their own problems but i'm saying it's a problem of inflow the rapid rate at which the police arrest people and throws them into prisons so the more the police continue to arrest people the more prisons get overcrowded and here it is important to understand who the people being arrested are nikita says that in the popular imagination only people who commit heinous crimes like murder and rape go to prisons but she says that that is only a small percentage most people in prisons are there because of small thefts and petty offenses like gambling in madhya pradesh where i work we've seen a lot of cases of gambling which could just be say you and i are playing cards on the road the police can charge us with an offense under the gambling act and we'd end up in prison because it's a non bailable offense which implies that you have to go to court to get bail so it means that obviously we are now part of the prison system and we are incarcerated right and nikita how long can a person be in prison for gambling 
So you have people being charged under the Public Gambling Act for playing cards on the road, and these are all offences that are non-bailable, which means you have to go to court to get bail. And if you are found guilty, which is of course given how long trials go on in India, could at least take up like two to three years. It means that you know you will end up spending at least a month in jail, and this is for playing cards on the road. So essentially, the process becomes the punishment. The process becomes the punishment. So even if you are found not guilty and the case falls apart in court, you are still someone who is in prison as an under trial, and in so many ways has entered the criminal justice system, right? Because if you are an under trial person who's now entered the prison system and the criminal justice system at large, it means that you are on the police's radar. And I'm talking about this from particularly from the point of view of people from marginalized communities who are disproportionately represented in the prison population. It means that, like, it makes you susceptible to being arrested and to being targeted for more cases. She says that it is often marginalized communities that end up being targeted by the police and end up spending time in prisons, which is one of the reasons why prisons in India remain overcrowded. According to the National Crime Records Bureau, in 2015 the occupancy rate of prisons was 114 percent, and this went up to over 118 percent in 2019. So this clearly was an issue even before COVID, but after the pandemic. It has become a much bigger problem. Right now, if one prisoner gets infected, there are not many places where he or she can be isolated. Plus, during this time, Nikita says that prisoners have not been able to access their basic rights that was possible earlier. So you would have family members, lawyers visiting the prisons. So as a prisoner, you would be able to access your legal representative, discuss with them about the case, talk to them if you know you are having. Any trouble within the jail premises, or you know, where the family members would go visit prisoners, they'd be like they would carry essential supplies, they'd carry medicines, money orders, clothes. In several cases, food from home, and all of that has come to a grinding halt since last year. For instance, we had a client, really young, twenty, twenty-one year old man from the Parvi community, which is a Vimukta Jati, also known as a denotified tribe. He was charged under the Excise Act because he was found in possession of country liquor, and they said he was trying to illegally sell country liquor. And he was suffering from tuberculosis at the time, and he spent nearly two and a half to three months in prison. And he was unable to access clothes, and his family was unable to get in touch with him because physical mulaqats had stopped. And it's not just these physical meets. She says that during this time, one thing that has once again come to focus. Is the access to healthcare that prisoners have? She points out that less than one percent of the overall prison budget is dedicated to healthcare. And you can see the way in which healthcare in prisons is obviously become worse now. I mean, it was always abysmal, but now that system is overburdened because there are no doctors, there are no beds. Like there are some prisons in the country where there is just one doctor who is trained in Ayurveda. So there is no expert supervision. There's no way, in, and there's of course no regular testing, right? Because if you are constantly exposed to so many people, and everybody, given that there is no way for people to maintain physical distance from each other, people are living in such a congested environment. 
it's important that whenever people are showing symptoms or not that there is that sort of consistent testing that should happen so that if someone is showing symptoms or even if someone is asymptomatic that can be identified they can be quarantined and they can receive the required treatment but none of that is happening no regular testing of prisoners is not happening so the regular rights of prisoners has of course taken a beating but along with that the prison system that was already struggling particularly the healthcare in prisons is now even is in a worse state it's almost in shambles at this point and do we have any kind of data that can tell us how many prisoners have been infected by covid-19 during this time i mean there are some organizations so for instance the commonwealth human rights initiative which is a non-governmental organization was keeping a track of some cases but mostly there is no data ideally this data should be made public by the prison authorities themselves and it's not just data for prisoners who have been infected but also data of staff members who have been infected prison staff and none of that data is available in the public domain in fact for madhya pradesh we have been trying really hard particularly through our case to be able to get we filed a pil in the madhya pradesh high court for decongestion and generally about the situation in prisons during covid and we have been trying to request the state to produce this data so that we know to what extent the problem is at least last year there was some reporting on the matter or in some states like maharashtra the reporting is perhaps slightly higher but for instance in states like madhya pradesh up delhi like the reporting is absolutely abysmal and we don't know how many people or staff members are infected and and what happens when a prisoner requires hospitalization due to covid-19 what kind of situation do prisoners find themselves in then so in madhya pradesh for instance they try to isolate them and try to address this at the prison level and of course if the said prisoner's condition has worsened then they are taken to the government hospital but also like what these processes are and how exactly it is happening is not very clear to us because there is a lot of opacity when it comes to what really is going on inside prisons because none of this there's very scant reporting on the condition in prisons and also the government themselves haven't been very proactive or transparent about the situation in prisons at this time but this is largely the way in which things are done but for someone is symptomatic and they are asked to or like they are made to isolate their condition would still have to be monitored and prisons themselves don't have the required medical staff or support to be able to monitor the condition of that prisoner so decongesting prisons has been a big problem right and in this matter the supreme court has been intervening from time to time in an effort to do that it also asked states to take preventive steps and asked them to constitute these high powered committees to determine the class of prisoners who could be released for a specific period of time so how much has that intervention helped yeah so this happened right at the beginning of the pandemic last year the supreme court ordered this on the 23rd of march 2020 when they said these high powered committees have to be constituted in every state who will like you said determine the class of people who are eligible for release which means that entirely of course the supreme court said this and said this very clearly at that time that 
anybody who is in prison for an offence that is punishable by seven years or less should be considered for release on either bail or either parole, depending on whether they are an under trial or a convict. But of course, it was largely left to the discretion of these high-powered committees that were constituted in each state. So, for instance, in Madhya Pradesh, where this high-powered committee was constituted, the committee framed some really narrow guidelines. So they said, okay, only those who have been incarcerated for offences that are punishable by five years are eligible for release. And then they also framed some really narrow criterion for understanding comorbidities. So last year it was those who are suffering from say, a heart condition, but even within that, those who have undergone a bypass surgery, for instance, only those people would be eligible for release or someone, say, who's suffering from cancer. But if you look at the common ailment within the prison population, you will see, like, questions of diabetes. And it's not just the prison population, like, comorbidities that put people at a risk of, like, making their the situation worse if they contract COVID. Like, so conditions like diabetes, hypertension, tuberculosis, which are all extremely common even within the prison population, all of these comorbidities were excluded. So last year, the way in which this has happened, it's happened in a really arbitrary fashion. So this happened last year. This year, however, Nikita says that there have been some changes. The high-powered committees during the second wave had to be reconstituted. And this year in Madhya Pradesh, the committee did expand the eligibility criteria for who can be released. But she says there are still some hurdles that remain. And two major hurdles to that, one being the question of bail and parole itself and being able to access that. And secondly, also is the question of the ever-increasing prison population. Because you can undertake these exercises of decongestion of prisons. So, for instance, now in the MP High Court, we're trying to make a submission before these high-powered committees to say that, well, when someone is granted bail, which is interim bail during this period, they are being granted this bail because of this public health crisis, right? So, you can't judge people's bail applications on merit. So, under usual circumstances, if you want to apply for bail, you go to court and the court looks at and evaluates your applications and says, okay, for XYZ circumstances, I think this person can be granted bail. So what we are seeing is that, why are we getting into that evaluation at this point? Because people need to be released on bail given the dire circumstances that we are in. Also, like courts are overburdened. So there is a lot of lapse in these applications going to court and then courts further rejecting them or not being able to hear them because of the sheer volume of bail application. And then, you know, people languishing in prisons, even though by the high-powered committee's criteria, they are eligible for release. So this is the first big hurdle that is coming in the way of decongesting prisons. And the second is the one that we talked about in the beginning, which is the problem of over-arresting. Nikita says that while the Supreme Court is intervening to decongest prisons, the police, on the other hand, is indiscriminately arresting people. And what do I mean by indiscriminate arresting? So in 2014, there was a Supreme Court judgment called Arnesh Kumar versus the Union of India, which said very clearly that when someone has been charged with an offence that is punishable by seven years or less by the police, 
the police doesn't necessarily have to arrest this person so under section 41a of the code of criminal procedure the police has to look at my case and make the following evaluations the first one being am i someone who can disrupt the police investigation secondly am i someone who can harm the complainant or the witnesses in any way right or am i someone who if not arrested has the possibility of absconding and if only the answer is yes should i be arrested otherwise i shouldn't be arrested by the police otherwise i can just be issued a notice under section 41a of the criminal procedure code and i can be asked to comply with the conditions that are prescribed in that notice so for instance if my notice says you have to show up to the police station once in a week or once in two weeks and mark your attendance just so that the police knows that you haven't absconded so and of course if i don't comply with those conditions then i can be arrested but arrest is not by default for these cases and yet like she pointed out earlier people are being arrested for things like gambling or the possession of local liquor at a time when being inside prisons could be really dangerous to their lives nikita also points out that when she and her team looked at who all were arrested during the lockdown last year she found that often these were people from the marginalized communities like dalits and adivasis now for instance the muslim community like comprises of nearly 7% of the population of madhya pradesh but if you see what was their proportion within the percentage of those who were arrested it was 21% so you can see the sort of disproportionate arrests if you want to move beyond the question of their marginalized identities and you want to look at what their occupations were these were all essential service providers so people selling groceries vegetables meat dairy products these were people who were arrested or like people who were arrested for you know not violating the lockdown condition while being you know pedestrians two wheel people with on two wheelers people not wearing masks several of them who had stepped out to go to the hospital to buy groceries these were people who were arrested so you you see on the one hand you're dealing with a prison system that is so extremely overcrowded and on the other hand you have the police that is arresting people for such ridiculously minor offenses and throwing them in prisons and the net effect of this is that when the pandemic began last year the overcrowding percentage in the state of madhya pradesh was 157% and as of today it's 174% so the overcrowding percentage of prisons has actually increased during the pandemic despite the supreme court saying we need to decongest prisons now the question is what makes the police over arrest when they can choose not to nikita says that it is partly to do with maintaining an illusion of law and order but more fundamentally she says that it has to do with the origins of indian policing that came into being during the colonial era and she says that at that time it was formed to control certain sections of the population like those from the lower strata of the caste hierarchy and of course like the, the way that policing is right like if you look at the system of policing it functions entirely on the basis of discretion like it is ultimately say tomorrow you are caught with a bottle of alcohol and police person catches you with a bottle of alcohol it is their discretion whether or not they charge you under the excise act by saying well shashank was caught selling alcohol like you know that is the discretion that they utilize right or for instance they catch someone say drinking and driving it is 
their discretion whether or not they want to file a case of like drinking and driving or like negligence against you right so it is entirely determined by discretion and this discretion is obviously exercised in this casteist manner so that is what incentivizes the police to do the things that they are doing and to arrest also the kind of people that they are arresting okay so these are the problems that the criminal justice system has witnessed and has been accused of for a while now and during covid this has obviously resulted in a much bigger crisis but when faced with such overcrowding what are the best possible solutions to this problem i mean the thing is that with the prison system right now i think the best way that we can respond to this situation immediately is to be able to release people on bails and paroles there are states that have done that so for instance last year the kerala high court said that anybody who is eligible for bail and as per the criterion laid down by the high powered committees will automatically be released on bail they don't have to undergo any kind of tedious procedure to make a case for why they should be released or be granted parole so i feel like that sort of release at this point is the need of the hour to decongest and to release those prisoners but even more than that i think one thing that needs to be done along with the decongestion is to also really look at the sort of health facilities and the infrastructure of prisons themselves but i think moving on and i think this is something that we really need to think about also because i think this pandemic has really highlighted the problems with the prison system i think one thing for us to even be thinking about is the question of what kind of offenses even need to be criminalized right which is the question of like should people be charged or be languishing in prisons for playing cards or should people be languishing in prisons for being in possession of alcohol other like really like minor sort of victimless crimes right i mean even if we are not willing to apply our mind to questions of most heinous offenses and how we want to deal with them even like these sort of minor crimes right because these are the sort of crimes that are ultimately form the majority of the proportion of people who are a part of the prison system and i think that of push for decriminalization is something that needs to happen along with like decongestion of course and bolstering the healthcare infrastructure in prison during this time there have been many people in prisons who despite their condition have not been able to get bail this includes political prisoners in the bhima goregaon case in which under trials like the 83 year old stan swami who is suffering from parkinson's disease has been denied bail another example is that of journalist siddiqui kapun who has been arrested under the uapa and had contracted covid-19 while inside prison and he only got bail when the supreme court intervened to ensure that he got adequate medical care but apart from people being denied bail there is one more aspect to this problem and we asked nikita about it nikita so far we have talked about how people's bail and parole applications have been languishing but we have also seen that in some cases in in up in maharashtra where some convicts have even refused to apply for emergency parole despite being eligible for it because they feel that they won't be able to survive outside right now that they won't be able to access healthcare or provide for their families have you come across such cases 
yeah there are and there are prisoners across the country who are exercising the choice and i'm using the word choice with all of its connotations of choosing to be incarcerated during this period because like the public health system is in such shambles and that people don't have the space to be able to quarantine etc and they're scared of not obviously being able to access healthcare themselves but also endangering their family members should they test positive for covid so this sort of like really like a choice in the sense that like people have been asked to choose between the devil and the deep sea right and prisoners are forced to do that and it really tells you of what exactly we have done wrong you know that we haven't really invested in social security systems so much so that like a public healthcare crisis and a complete like dismantling care system means that like people now have to safeguard their lives at the cost of their liberty so we've really turned like life and liberty into some sort of binary now which is mutually exclusive though it is important to remember that there is a lot we still don't know because like nikita says there is very little data in the public domain about what is going on in prisons right now the information that we have is based on individual cases and limited reportage you know we've recently discovered that like 31 for instance of the 58 posts for medical officers in prisons in mpr vacant like things like that right like we're in the middle of like the most unprecedented public healthcare crisis that anyone has come seen in recent history and where we don't even have central jails don't even have the sort of health infrastructure that is equivalent to like a community healthcare or a primary healthcare standard because i mean we saw what has happened particularly during the second wave right we have seen that even those of us who are not in prisons have struggled to access the healthcare systems but there is an entire population that doesn't even have a shot at it You are listening to Three Things by the Indian Express. Today's show was written and produced by me, Shashank Bhargav, and was edited and mixed by Suresh Pawar. If you like the show, then do subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also recommend the show to someone you think will like it. Share it with a friend or someone in your family. It's the best way for people to get to know about us. You can tweet us at Express Podcasts and write to us at podcasts at IndianExpress dot com.